Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We need uh, warnings when things aren't obvious. I don't know if you pay attention to the warnings we get today, but probably because of our litigious culture, uh, we get a lot of warnings that don't feel all that that necessary. And I found a a few on the internet for you. Here's one. Uh, Remove the child before folding. So like, I don't know. I mean, just in case you're tempted just to (laughs) fold it up with the baby in there. We just want to warn you not to do that. Or this one. Um, I don't know about you, but every time I see my wheelbarrow, I'm like, let's get on the highway with this puppy. Like this, it's such a huge temptation. I just want to confess that it's a huge temptation in my life. Um, This one, I've tried this. Do not iron my, so this one is important. Uh, Don't, hurts, hurts. Um, Okay, you probably can't read this very well, but this is a can of peanuts warning you that this contains peanuts. And so just in case that wasn't, but I saved the best for last. Um, touching wires causes instant death, but the worst part, there's a $200 fine. Uh, that is the definition of adding insult to injury. And so we don't need a warning when it's obvious. We need a warning though, when things aren't obvious. 12 years ago, you might remember, in Joplin, Missouri, in May of 2011, we've got good friends down there, and there was a news outlet that was looked outside, and the sky is blue, nice temperature, everything's fine. It wasn't obvious, but what was 20 minutes down the road was one of the worst tornadoes our country has ever seen. Thankfully, there was a news station who was saying, get in your basement now. It's not obvious. I know it looks fine. It is not fine. Get in your basement. This is a warning from Jesus, and he means it. He means it. What you're doing looks good, but it's dangerous. It's going to hurt you. This is not the only warning that is given by Jesus. Paul gives something very similar to the Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has put you on a, under a spell? Here's what that stake the cross and Jesus Christ crucified. It is the work of Jesus that is stake. We can nullify what Jesus has done for us when he warns us what he's getting ready to warn us from. There's no question that Jesus reserves his harshest criticism for the Pharisees who were the epitome of something called legalism and hypocrisy. There's a close second. He warns us of the spirit of mammon money which is also something that doesn't feel dangerous, but can be very dangerous. Likewise, he warns us very seriously about legalism. But this isn't Jesus just going off in a verbal rage. This is is not prescribing judgment. This is a warning. This is him loving and caring. Because look how he ends. He ends, he puts on this persona of a mother, who's like, I I just wanted to protect you. I just wanted to help you. Think about a mother who just found out that her little toddler was playing in the street. 
And she's just like, what are you thinking? And not even taking a breath and not letting the toddler talk. And I meant to do this and I meant to do that. And this could have happened and this could have happened and that could have happened. But there's a moment in that, in that communication to that toddler, the warning, where the love breaks in and she just picks up the toddler. Oh, I love you so much. Don't ever do that again. And this is Jesus in this passage wanting to warn us, wanting us, hey, I know it's fun to play in the street, but you don't know what you're doing. I know it doesn't look scary, but it is so scary. And so he fires off these seven warning shots. And today I want to ring the warning bell. In the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about how we can proactively root out hypocrisy in our life or at least significantly reduce the chances that can happen to us. And we call this satanic Christianity on purpose because I want us to feel the danger of simply being good church folk. It is dangerous. And I, I want to invite you to do something this morning as well. I don't know what, you, who, what character you put your, you know, when you read something, I don't know what character you think you are. I, I, I don't think you put G, your Jesus, I, I would imagine. But don't put yourself as a disciple either. Put yourself in the seat of the Pharisee. He was so clear. You can, you can notice the speck, but you can miss the log in your own eye. Don't miss the log for the speck. And I, and I thought about, I thought about this. I thought about telling the guys, hey, just put the lights at 100% in this room. Just put it 100%. We just want to, we want to be, we want to be visible. We don't want anything dark. We want it, we want it to be all, but we're not doing that because I didn't, I, I that would have made me uncomfortable. And so we're not, so I'm going to pray for us. Not that God would illuminate the room, but that God would illuminate our hearts and illuminate our minds and help us to see. God, what are we not seeing in our own lives? So Jesus, we, we just thank you for your love and care. We want to feel this passage. We want to feel your, your care, your love, your desire to, 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 to put us under your care, to put us under your wings, under the blood of Jesus. Dare, may we not trust in anything less than Jesus' blood in righteousness God, we want to be like what the psalmist in, in Psalm 91, that we would get under the shadow of the Almighty, that we would heed the warning and take cover. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At, at Jubilee Church, we are passionate about sharing the love of Jesus, not because one day we're sitting around bored and like, you know, this seems like a good idea, but rather because God Almighty broke into our mess. He healed us. He loved us. He captured our affections. And this is what this fellowship is about. We are not primarily joined together because we vote the same, look the same, act the same, have the same hobbies, but we have this common experience. And that is that we have been won over by Jesus. And we want to share that with the world, what he's done in our lives. And we want other people to experience what Jesus has done for us. And, and that is what has happened for the past 27 years of our existence. One by one, we have encountered the grace and love of Jesus. It has been a place of acceptance. It has been a place of community where people who don't have brothers and mothers and sisters and fathers find brothers and mothers and sisters and fathers. So seeing this message project out, um, uh, the, seeing this, this message project out to the communities around us is a very big deal to us. 
And a big part of our effectiveness to communicate this message is correlated with how well we understand the people we're trying to connect with. Like, I love my wife, but there are things that I do and don't do that, can, that don't communicate love. So she says, so I don't communicate love to her all the time. But the more I understand her, the more I'm able to love her. The more we understand culture, the more better we are at loving them. And it's not a secret that the number one complaint fired against the church is 85% of people uh, think that we are hypocritical that we don't practice what we preach. Now, this is disheartening because Jesus was accused of a lot of things. Lots of things. I mean, racist. I mean, he was maligned. He was never accused of being a hypocrite. He was never accused of being a phony. So that's kind of disheartening. But I just want to be clear. We are not talking about this today because that's... culture's complaint against us, even though it is. We are talking about this today because this is God's complaint against us. This is one of the big, the biggest complaint is that we forget him. This, I think the second complaint when you look at the scriptures is that we honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. It's a migration of hope and trust in our supposed good works at the expense of his great work on the cross on our behalf. So we're talking about this for that reason. So verse number one, you ready? Well, too bad. Okay, so here we go. Uh, they, they, here's the first thing. They know what to say, but they don't do what they say. They know what to say, they just don't do what they say. So verse one, then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, uh, synagogues had a big stone seat, un, not unlike like a big pulpit. Uh, you know, this seat would have been spoken of like we would speak of a professor's chair. It was synonymous with authority. And so they, they sit at this seat and they do so, so. So because they sit at this seat, it says, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Now, what's interesting to me is what Jesus doesn't say. I mean, I expected him to say, because they don't practice what they preach, don't listen to what they preach. But that's not what he says. He actually tells the crowds to do what they say, just don't live the way that they live. The problem isn't what they preach, so listen to what they preach. The problem is they don't practice what they preach. So listen to them, just don't live like them. Now this is interesting to me because in this cultural moment, our knee-jerk reaction is to chuck the baby with the bathwater. So we, we have this wholesale rejection of the person and their teaching and their contributions because of an inconsistency in their practice. Jesus, if you're willing to listen, Jesus is inviting us to a much more mature position of learning of what it means to chew the meat and spit out the bones. So if your parents stress the importance of marriage in church and they bailed on marriage and the church, listen to what they said. Just don't do what they did. You don't have to spin out. You don't have to be delusioned. You can, you, can, you can take a much more mature posture 
of realizing, okay, they said some things that were good and I should listen to that. I don't have to get rid of that just because their life was inconsistent. And I think it's worth noting, by the way, there's a difference between having behavior that's inconsistent with the life of Jesus and being a hypocrite. Uh, this is Growth Track Sunday. It reminds me of a, a pastor asked a new, uh, a new guest, would you like to become a member? And the member's like, heck no. This, the church is full of hypocrites. And the pastor replied, hey, we always have room for one more. And so, um, you know, it's like they say, you know, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. And so, um, so there's, a diff- there's a difference between hypocrisy and being a sinner. Christians are not hypocrites for not living up to what we believe, that's what the cross is for. Uh, if you, so if you said to me, the church is full of sinners, I'd absolutely agree. It is. In fact, uh, it's the only organization that I know of that celebrates and requires such a confession. I mean, that's what we're here worshiping every week, right? You know, you're, we're not perfect. You are. I mean, he's the one. I mean, we're not talking about you. We're not singing to you. We're singing to someone else. Hypocrisy is a specific sin, and, and it's a theatrical word, which means to pretend or to wear the mask. And so in uh, the summer of 91, I was out in California and I watched this sitcom. This is going to date me, Perfect Strangers. If you remember that, Balky? And anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not the point. Um, so I'm not going to dwell on that. And, but here is the point. When, you went, when, you, when I went to watch this sitcom, this, this house that they lived in that looked real was nothing more than a cardboard cutout. And that's what his complaint is, is that you're projecting something that is real and authentic, but it's nothing more than a cardboard cutout. And verse four, he continues. Here's another complaint. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with the finger. And I think we've all experienced authorities. uh, We've all experienced this from authorities over the years, from politicians, from teachers, from parents, from bosses, pastors, maybe, I don't know. We've all been loaded up with expectations from people who are very out of touch with what we're dealing with. And to make matters worse, they don't help. Like, that's your struggle. That's your problem. That's why we want to stick it to the man. Because the man is out of touch and they don't help. This is in stark contrast what Jesus said about himself in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, The Pharisees preached a standard that was nearly impossible to live up to. And they themselves fell woefully short. But they kept up this expectation on other people while offering no help. Now, contrary to popular opinion, what Jesus requires is no less In fact, according to the Sermon on the Mount, which is a long time ago, according to the Sermon on the Mount, he says your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And just to put an exclamation point on this, he says you need to be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. So what that's all about. Well, the real reason then why his burden is light isn't that he expects less. 
That's not why his burden is light. The reason why his burden is light is because he promises to get in the yoke with us to do the heavy lifting. That's why it's light. He doesn't lower the expectation, but he maximizes the help. We, we are all going to watch the Super Bowl next week, and I don't want to hear who your team is, okay? Just keep it to yourself. We're all going to watch the Super Bowl next week, and here's what's going to happen. Uh, our team's, you know, your team's going to win, or some, you know, millions of people, millions of fans, their team is going to win. And they're going to go nuts, and they're going to celebrate it like they did it, like we won. We won. It's like you didn't win anything. You ate a gallon of nacho cheese and 12 bush lights. I mean, maybe a doctor visit, you won that, but you didn't, you didn't win anything. You're wearing the jersey, but you weren't on the field. Jesus wins the victory and it will be a credit to us righteousness as if you were on the field and want it. Jesus is the ox in the yoke beside us carrying the weight. He is not the farmer behind us cracking the whip. Jesus is the leader that we long for and we can trust. And this is why legalism is satanic because it misrepresents Jesus and the work that he wants to do in your life. He wants to carry your burdens. He wants to carry your cross. And this type of spirituality leads people astray as we're going to see here in a minute. And they do everything to be seen. This is, this is another big complaint. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries, uh, if anybody else want to know what that is, I'll tell you here in a second. And their fingers, and their fringes, fingers long, their fringes long, tassels. And so the phylacteries were like these, these, box, these prayer boxes, Right? And they, and they were actually commanded in the Old Testament to do this, and as well as the tassel thing. But the problem was their boxes kept getting bigger and bigger. And, or they just wore more often. And so they just, something that God commanded, it, they meant well, in a sense, or they started well, but they, it, may, it became something else. And then he talked about the tassels. The tassels were another thing commanded by God to put on the robe. If you read the Old Testament, they were commanded to put these tassels on the robes. But here, what they did, they... They, there was two major uh, rabbis, and the group that followed this rabbi, I won't get all the details, not to bore you, but and w this group over here decided to, hey, let's make our tassels longer than this group. It's kind of like a spiritual one-upmanship, if you will. And, and of course, there was nothing wrong with this practice, but they were using it to get what they really wanted, which is esteem from others. John uh, the disciple John would later say well, that, that they wanted the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, who would do that, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, why would anyone exchange the glory that comes from an all-knowing, all-wise, all-perfect God instead for the glory that comes from broken and insecure people? Who would do that? We would do that. We would make that trade. I mean, look at Instagram. We, look at the effort we put at looking right versus being right. And here's the thing. Behind a lot of our posts is the pain of not being seen, noticed, or loved. We so need the attaboy. We so need, oh, you're so pretty. We so need, aren't you something? Aristotle said this, those that are not loved seek to be admired. 
but what does he know, right? Um, I think I'll post that. That's a good post. I think I'll post that uh, with my jacket on, of course, um, that I wore to cover up the fact that my sweater's wrinkled. Okay, so in our brokenness, we skip over the one that can actually fill the need for something that causes us to be led astray. He goes on, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, which basically means follower. And when he becomes a follower or convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you. It got real. And in this verse, by the way, was the inspiration for calling this little section satanic Christianity because Jesus clearly calls this way of approaching God satanic of the devil. In fact, in John 8, it's not the only time he did this. He says to the, says to the Pharisees, You're, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. This is, so there's a couple ways you can be a a hypocrite, he's saying. Basically, you you can pretend and you know you're pretending. Like you know that this isn't real, but you just just keep putting up the front. But the other way you can do it is is by, by misguided religious zeal. Like you think you're doing the right thing, but you're really not. And that's what he's getting at here. He says, you're shutting doors while crossing seas. You've never entered into it. You've never experienced it. You've never felt like you wanted it or needed it, but you are crossing seas to offer it. In other words, he's saying, you're going to great lengths to get in the way. You're spending a lot of energy to keep other people from experiencing this. And this way of acting, he's saying, is contagious. When we live dis. Uh, uh, disintegrated lives, we invite others to do the same. Now, on the contrary, the positive side, when we leave integrated lives, we invite others to do the same. So the way that we live is contagious. We, we, we end up bringing people into the what we see. So that's why we got to own our reputation. So when culture says that, hey, this is what I think Christianity is all about, you and I have to own that because they're just following our example. So when we disconnect our heart from our head, we subtly put our confidence in our flesh and we lead people away from Jesus with us. This can be, this happened to Tiger Woods, by the way. Like, I don't know if you saw this documentary a few years ago about his life, sad, but his dad programmed him to live a compartmentalized life. He did so, he wanted to disconnect his heart, what he felt from his head. He wanted him to be able to focus on what he had to do, hitting the golf ball, despite how he felt. And so every time, by the time he was six years old, every time he'd take a shot or make a putt, he would shake the change in his pocket just to mess him up. And he would talk to him loud. He would, he would confuse him. He'd kick his ball when he was trying to putt it. He would do everything he could. And this made him who he is. That's why he could hit that putt at that moment. And then if you've seen the documentary, it destroyed him. It is dangerous to have your heart disconnected from your head, is what he's saying. Verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, spices. You have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You have ought to have done this without neglecting the others. You blind guides, Jesus, excuse me, you blind guides straining out the gnat and swallowing the camel. I mean, Jesus is on fire. He is saying, you blind guides leading people to destruction. You think you see, but you don't. You are straining gnats and slurping camels. In the words of Mike Myers, he's saying, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And... Um, you're tithing your spice rack. Jesus is like, you keep your vegetable garden if it's going to cause you to lead other people astray from me or it's going to cause you to not put me first because that is the point in the first place. The reason why you tithe is so that you can demonstrate that you are first in my life, not looking to other things. But if that's not what's happening to your heart, it, you're missing the point. And this is what he says to those who do tithe. Imagine what he would say to those who don't. Because he clearly says you should be doing this, but you're neglecting the point, the weightier matters. You see, our problem when it comes to the law, so to speak, is that we are either trying to be conservative or we're trying to be liberal at the expense of being Christian. Some of us follow the law to be Christian. Some of us ignore the law to be Christian. Well, I gotta, I'm gonna obey all the rules because this is what Christians do. Well, that's not what Christianity is about. It's really about this. It's about the heart. So I'm just gonna ignore all the rules. We can't follow the law, but we can't ignore it. Anybody else feel that tension? You can't do it but you have to do it. Man, I need some help. I need somebody, I don't know, to save me. We trust and follow the one who fulfilled the law, who got into that yoke and carried the weight. That's why he gets the glory and honor. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. Never do that. But the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate. Then the outside may also be clean. And then he kind of says something very similar. Similar Then verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Uncleanness? Whatever. So, <laughs> so you should also, it's not the outside that counts, right? Okay. So, so you should also outwardly, so that you also appear uh, righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So a couple things really quick. So these two analogies meaning the same thing. The first thing though, or the thing that maybe don't, the first one makes sense to us, the second one may not. The second one, they, they didn't have well-defined cemeteries like we do. And so they would, uh, so it was very possible, unless there was something clearly marked, you could just walk right over somebody's grave, which um, is not only rude or whatever, but it would have made you ceremonially unclean. 
it, which would have been a pain in the rear. You would have to put your life on hold. This is like kind of back in COVID when if you got exposed to someone, it, you know, you had to cancel all your plans for two weeks. That was basically what they lived with for hundreds and thousands of years. And so what they would do is they would not just have a tombstone, but they would, clear, they would clearly mark it with like their version of, you know, fluorescent yellow and make it whitewashed, super white. And he says, this is what you're like. And so and actually, in, in, when they did the festivals, they would put on a fresh coat of paint because there'd be a lot of people in town who don't know the lay of the land. He's like, this is what you're like. You are like these whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside. You got death inside of you. You're like a cup that's clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. Now, how many here would say, I'd rather have it clean on the inside? Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, but here's the thing. He's not saying either or. He's saying both, but he's issuing priority, meaning like you can clean the outside and not have, it's possible, very likely possible. I've done it, tried it, happened to me all the time. Clean the outside of the cup. Inside is dirty. That's easy to do. What's hard to do is to clean the outside. Excuse me. What's hard to do is to clean the inside and, and not get the outside clean as well. And that's what he's saying. If you get the heart right, the behavior comes as well. So he's not putting one against the other. This isn't like saying, hey, don't worry about your behavior. He's just saying the priority here is the heart and worry about your behavior. Lawful on the outside, but lawless on the inside. Your Instagram profile says that family is everything to you, but in reality, they frustrate you and you often ignore the opportunities to shepherd their heart. You post about your quiet times with the Lord with no awareness that they're not quiet anymore. You post how you have great friends, but then talk about them behind their back. And as we close, thank God I'm closing, right? Um, I, wanna, I want you to consider, Ben can go ahead and come up. I want you to consider, in fact, why don't you stand with me? I want you to consider where this is landing on you. Not if this is landing on you, but where this is landing on you. If the whole time you've been thinking, those guys, I can't believe those guys, those guys. That's a sure sign, by the way. This is a big problem for you. It means you're very good at noticing the speck, not so good with the log in your eye. This, hat, this is all of us. This is me. This is all of us together. Where is this? Not a matter of if, it's where this is landing on you. Are you clean on the outside, but not the inside? Do you go to great lengths to contribute to missions and things that are big and happy and now everybody's involved in, but you ignore your neighbors? And just day in and day out, I want people to know Jesus. You should keep giving to people overseas, but you need to address your heart on why you're doing that. The issue isn't to stop doing that. That's a, not a good message either. The mess, the, what he's saying is you need to get your heart right, and then when you get your heart right, you're going to do both. Do you tithe to the penny, but your heart is cold to the plight of the poor? Do you not tithe because that would destroy your ability to make your life as pretty as you want it to look? 
Legalism is everywhere. Legalism is the outside defines my inside. And if there are things you just can't do, that's where this is landing on you. It's like, I, I would do that, but this and this, that's where this is landing on you. When it comes to sin, are you a confessor or a concealer? Or do you just ignore people altogether? That makes it easy. If I don't get too close, I, no one will ever ask me. I want to end with what I think is the most important verse in this section. And um, the thing I want you to hear the most I want you to hear the other stuff too. And I don't know how you couldn't. I was yelling, so it's loud enough. I was being loud enough. Um, but I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. He is putting on this persona of a mother who just found out her kids, her toddlers have been playing in the street. I know it seems safe. I know it seems safe, but it's not. It's dangerous. I know what you thought. I know what you meant. I know what you wanted to do. His heart, if we get that verse back up on the screen, his heart was to do this, but check this out. But you were not willing. You were not willing. The outside of them was too important to them. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't give up their image. They couldn't give up their lifestyle. They couldn't give up. They instead took their chances in the street. God, he's warning us. Just get in the ark. The storm is coming. Get in a relationship with me. Get in the basement. I know you want to finish that program, but it doesn't matter. This tornado is coming. I know you want your nails to be painted, but come on, let's get in the basement. He's warning. Are you willing? He's warning, are you willing? He's warning, are you willing? Where is this landing on you? This is for those of us who've never considered a relationship as well as those who are in a relationship is crouching at your door, getting you to do what we've always been tempted to do, which is the lie of Satan in the garden. Don't trust God, trust you. Stop trusting you. Stop trusting what you think. 
Stop trusting what you think is good and not good. Trust the one who bled and died on your behalf, who wants to cover you with his wings this morning. God, we thank you so much that you beat our greatest enemies of Satan, sin, and death, and that you took on the destruction on the cross. Your body was destroyed. Your spirit was destroyed for us. It wasn't your sin. It was our sin. God, may we be those who climb into a relationship with you, who heed the warning. God, I pray you illuminate hearts, illuminate minds. In your name, amen.